I think when they started casting for it, somebody said, let's don't get Bill Conrad. We're up to, you know, where with Bill Conrad. So they did not get Bill Conrad. They auditioned everybody in town. And as a last resort, they called me and said, okay, we give up. Come on in. <laughs> and I went in and uh, uh, read about two lines. And they said, okay, thank you. And I walked out. And the next day they called me and said, you have the job. We now present Radio Trivia about the radio series Gunsmoke. Creation of Gunsmoke with producer-director Norman MacDonald. We had a week's notice to put a show together and get it on the air. And in that week, we had to find a writer, star, have a theme, a Gunsmoke theme composed. So it was a busy week. We got Walter Brown Newman to come in one of the better writers in town. We gave him an acetate disc of Pagosa and I believe of Wild Jack Rhett and said this is the style, this is the color, this is the feel. Laid out no other guidelines except told him how we felt Matt Dillon should be written and the kind of character he was and sent Walter away. That was on a Monday. There remained the problem, of course, the enormous problem of finding a star CBS Executives, of course, were hoping for a big name. I do remember that we there was a young actor from Pasadena who uh, had some name at that time, Robert Stack. If I remember correctly, Ray Burr auditioned. By the early 1950s, William Conrad was one of radio's busiest men. I think when they started casting for it, somebody said, let's don't get Bill Conrad. We're up to you-know-where with Bill Conrad. So they did not get Bill Conrad. They auditioned everybody in town. And as a last resort, they called me and said, okay, we give up, come on in. <laughs> and I went in and uh, uh, read about two lines and they said, okay, thank you. And I walked out and the next day they called me and said, you have the job. McDonald and Meston were determined to bring a realistic Western to radio. I think Meston and I were more enthusiastic about Conrad than the executives because Bill was considered a heavy at that time. He just finished the killers in feature pictures and everybody considered him a heavy. And of course he was a marvelous heavy. The CBS executives were a little concerned that William Conrad, heavy extraordinaire, would be playing our lead Matt Dillon. The other characters were not set and no contracts were drawn because nobody had yet decided who would be playing with Bill. It just developed that Howard McNair played the doctor, who became a running character. Harley Bear played Chester, who became a running character. Georgia Ellis was in one of the first shows, but Kitty wasn't actually invented until, uh, oh, perhaps eight or ten shows into the series. Set in Dodge City, Kansas, Gunsmoke's main character, Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, was to be unlike 
any Western on-air predecessor. Meston had grown up in Colorado and worked as a cowboy on a family ranch. Well, I don't like phony stuff, and, and uh, I knew something about the West, sure. The way people are, the way they talk, the way they behave. I never liked heroes much. So we kind of reversed everything. I tried to do it while we did with narration, which was sort of an innovation, I think, at the time. Well, we tried to make him honest, just an honest, not a crook like, like Wyatt Earp. A guy with a sense of tragedy. A guy who didn't particularly enjoy the job. But then it took a, quite a while because... You know, we, we put Walter put Chester in. We had to work towards on him a great deal for a long time. And Kitty and Doc had to develop, and Matt had to develop, and we did this over a long period of time. So we worked very closely uh, in radio. I was there all the time. Well, I'm always hired. We're very best actors, no question of that. You know, they couldn't read a line. They'd, they'd let me know with great pleasure, and they're generally right. Native American characters and relationships were portrayed in a more accurate way. Well, as I recall, I've been told we were not the first show that treated Indians as human beings, not just redskins and the only good Indians and bad ones and so on. A number of shows about that and intermarriage. I think we, 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 the Indians before that, as I remember, that wasn't around much before that. They were treated in the old, the old way, you know. Just, I think Gunsmoke was probably, I've heard, understand, it was the first show that really changed us. No, the, the white man, the way he treated the Indians, was a national disgrace. It still is. Dylan was a complex, flawed man in an extremely difficult situation. Gunsmoke's storylines were to be character-driven, with lean, tense dialogue patterns. There was no Matt Dillon. That was a figment of the writer's imagination. But uh, you'll get a lot of fights from a lot of people who will tell you that they know that there was. It's pretty funny. I've uh, had several arguments with people about it who say that they know for a fact that their grandfather was related to him or something of the sort. The writer, John Meston, and the producer, Norman MacDonald, were very meticulous in seeing that everything was as authentic as they could possibly make it. They took complete and deliberate time in setting up the sound effects, which was probably one of the secrets of the show's success. We tried to make everything as honest as we possibly could. That's probably why it had that sweet smell of success to it, because everybody tried far beyond the call of their normal duty. Ray Kemper and Tom Hanley were brought in as sound effects artists. Before the series began, they spent two days firing and recording various caliber pistols and rifles. The result was the first truly realistic sound of gunshots on radio. George Walsh, who years earlier had been the announcer on Death Valley Days, became one of Gunsmoke's chief announcers. I became a challenge, I think, to the two sound men that were assigned to the program then, Ray Kemper and Tom Hanley. And as I remember, it was around the 4th of July because they had a firecracker. And during the middle commercial of the dress rehearsal, they decided they were going to shoot off this firecracker. <laughs> well, as anybody who's ever been on the air can understand, my only concern was not their firecracker. My only concern was how I could read that middle commercial and make it sound like I was at a regular pace, but I was really killing time so I'd have some time to play with when we got on the air. And they shot off the firecracker, and I just went right on. I think this may have impressed Norm MacDonald a little bit, because he was kind of surprised that it didn't stop me. Rex Corey, 
composed the music. It gave me a wide scope in which to operate musically, and it put demands on the musicians we had because we had to produce tonal effects to suit the situation. And uh, again, it became a wonderful challenge because you had such a wide latitude in which to work. Initially, McDonald and Meston thought Matt Dillon would be the only continuing character. But once CBS greenlit the series, they realized Dillon would need regular acquaintances. Given a Saturday at 5 p.m. time slot, Gunsmoke took to the air on April 26, 1952. There's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. CBS actively shopped the series. During the show's first season on the air, 10 writers produced 53 scripts. Meston wrote 16 of them before quitting his staff job as CBS editor to become a full-time freelance Gunsmoke scriptwriter. Billy the Kid was the first show by Walter Brown Newman. Received good reports, but nobody was quite sure upstairs whether we had a hit or a miss because our leading man didn't sound like a leading man. Bill Conrad was not playing Matt as a warm, understanding, paternal figure whatsoever. No race or sex was totally virtuous or evil, and the plight of women on the frontier was a frequent theme, especially in scripts written by Marion Clark and Kathleen Height. In the field of adventure, one new program has caused more comment and excitement in recent weeks than any entertainment series in many seasons. Variety, in their review, used such words as first-rate, high-level, suspense, and excitement. And these words have not been confined to trade papers. Popular magazines and newspapers have added their own accolades. For here is a mature, adult, blazing Western that tops them all. CBS Radio is proud to present this brief segment of... Gun smoke. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. <laughs> Gunsmoke, 
The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Need any more cartridges, Mr. Dillon? No. I got the greener loaded. Unloaded. I don't want a shotgun. Yes, sir. Do you want me to come with you? You want to come? No, sir. I guess not. But I will. Better stay here then, Chester. This make me a coward, Mr. Dillon? How do you feel? Like a coward. Lassiter scares me, sir. But you were willing to come anyway. Figure it out for yourself. Good luck, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. If, uh, I'm not back, don't forget those reports have to be mailed tomorrow. I won't forget. Uh, Mr. Dillon? Yeah. You ever get scared? Sure. Better keep yourself busy. Walk along? Not at all, Doc. Yeah, kind of anxious to get a look at this new corpse of mine. Lassiter's sure done us a favor picking Dodge to die in. <laughs> this will put us in the history books for sure. You're a little premature, aren't you, Doc? Not a bit. Oh, maybe a little foresighted. You know, they say Lassiter's packing 18 slugs in. 18 slugs? My goodness. He sure has been in a lot of gunfights. Yeah. So they say. Mm-hmm. Guess he's got the biggest gun rep in this whole section. Outside of maybe Ben Thompson or Wes Harden. And you, of course. <laughs> he's waiting at the Alafraganza, Doc. You better not walk in with me. Oh, don't you worry. I'm not sticking my snoot into no shooting. No, sir. <laughs> hey, Marshal. Yeah, what is it? You are going to win, aren't you? I sure hate to work on the bodies of my friends. Makes it too darn personal. I'll do what I can, Doc. You watch him close, Marshal. Don't let him pull a hide out. Hello, Lassiter. Hi, Matt. Been a long time. Yeah. Drink with me? Why not? Harry, two whiskeys. Harry, get up from behind the bar. Sure, Mr. Lester. Sure. <laughs> oh, don't spill it. Leave it on the bar, Harry. We'll pour our own. Yes, Marshal. Yes, sir. Here, sir. How's your shoulder, Lester? Aches a little, bad weather. Still carrying your lead, Matt. There you are. Yeah. You should have killed me, Matt. Maybe. It was a long time ago. Matt, I want you to know I bear no grudge. But it has to be. I know. We're gunfighters, you and me, both the same. Yet not the same. But it's in our blood. That's why, Matt, that's why I have to brace you. I got to know for sure. There's no grudge, Lassiter. Now, your health. And yours. Straight up. Straight up. You call it. Now. 
beautiful, Matt. Simply beautiful. Was it? Why, yes, and it was close to... For a moment, I wasn't sure who... Oh, Marshal, your neck. You're hit. Just a scratch. It'll be all right. But here... Let it go. Go and get Lassiter. He's all yours. Hmm? Well, of course. And you'll be happy to know he's got 20 slugs in him now. I couldn't tell anyone, but the bitterness ice in my stomach made me sick as I remembered Lassiter as a friend, not dead by my gun. Then I got over it. I always got over it. The frontier code was a harsh one. I knew my job was one that had to be done if the West was to ever see peace. As long as killers like Lassiter lived, I'd carry a gun and use it. It was the way it had to be. Sometimes a man's dying was the end of it. And sometimes the beginning of something worse. Marshal Matt Dillon? Yeah? What can I do for you, miss? Die. Miss, I I don't know. It's Mrs. Mrs. Lassiter. Oh. You see? You've done quite a bit for me already, Mr. Dillon. You've made me a widow. Sit down, Mrs. Lassiter. Here, let me get you some water. I, uh... I didn't know Lassiter was married. Would it have mattered? No, I guess not. You're just like all the rest of them. A killer. Lusting for blood like a wild animal. Mrs. Lassiter... Only your words. You hide it behind a badge. My husband was in town less than two hours, but you couldn't wait, could you? You saw your chance to get a little bigger reputation. Matt Dillon, famous gunfighter. Matt Dillon, murderer. It was your husband that sent the challenge, Mrs. Lassiter. I'm sorry for what happened. And if I can help you in any way... No, thank you, Mr. Dillon. I only came to tell you that you haven't heard the end of the Lassiter name. I'm going to see that you're stripped of that big reputation. And you're going to die. Mrs. Lassiter, is there anything I could say that you would listen to? Nothing. And good day, madam. Till we meet again, Marshal. So begins another gun smoke. High-level drama played against the authentic background of Dodge City, the wildest and most colorful town of the Old West. This is a portion of the second episode entitled Ben Thompson, recorded for potential sponsor previewing. When Gunsmoke was sponsored for a single broadcast on November 21st, 1952 by Chrysler Plymouth Automobiles, the show drew a respectable rating against ABC's This Is Your FBI. It was heard by roughly 8 million people. Gunsmoke, brought to you tonight by Plymouth, with an invitation for you to visit a Plymouth dealer's tomorrow. Meet the new Plymouth and enter the big $25,000 contest. Eventually, on October 3rd, 1953, General Foods' Post Toasty Cereal signed on as a sponsor. Post Toasty's, the heap good cornflakes, is proud to present Gunsmoke. But the sponsorship ended after December 26th. The show continued, costs sustained by CBS. It would take a Hollywood A-lister's aversion to cigarettes to land Gunsmoke its big sponsor. One who would reap the benefits of a program 
that by 1956 was the highest rated on radio. You've been listening to a radio trivia program on the creation of Gunsmoke. Regular episodes of the series will return tomorrow at this time on RadioThen.network. For years, Bill and I had a, a running gag where he'd say, hand me those handcuffs or hand me this, it's in the drawer. And I don't know what, what started it really, but it became a running gag. As you'd have the sound effect of the door open, I'd say, here, well, there's my, I've been looking all over for that. How did that get there? Or, or would you hand me my jacket or hand me my gun out of the closet? And I'd say, yes, sir, here's your, well, who put my, what? I don't know why people put my things in, what's that doing there? And after this had been going on for many, many years, Bill said to me one day, for nearly 10 years, we've been playing this show, and you've been looking for something and found it. Now, for heaven's sake, what is it? And I said, it's right here in my pocket, and here it is, and you can have it. But so he gave something appropriately pithy, and it's gone, and we went. But I couldn't have told you what it was. It just seemed like a good gimmick at the time, and, and it used to annoy Bill through Dylan, the fact that I always referred to circulars as circlers. And I'd say, new batch of circlers come in, Mr. Dillon. I'd say, circlers? Yes, sir, circlers. How do you spell it? S-I-R-K-L-U-R-S? And he, he would just groan. I came bouncing into the office one day all excited because there was a stranger in town. And... Uh, Dylan wanted to know some particulars, and I said, well, he's some sort of Dutchman. He says, how do you know he's a Dutchman? So, well, he talks funny, and he comes from Europe or Asia or one of them towns. And Bill, who was easily broken up, said, Europe or Asia, one of them towns? Yes, sir, that's what he said. And then the, the wonderful quality there, Bill would never pursue it. He would, he would rise above Chester, and Chester talked to Doc into helping him make a garden. And when Doc wanted to know what he had planted, Chester didn't know. He had just found some seeds and had planted them where they were going to come up, flowers or vegetables or not. <laughs>